GamesillaMedia.com. Noise Land Arcade. Welcome to this week's episode of Noiseland Arcade. I am one of your hosts, Craig WK, and with me, as always, I'm the Arcade Phantom. Great to have you, buddy. Uh, today, we're talking about Homer versus Lisa and the Eighth Commandment. Man, that's a mouthful. It really is. Uh, this is one of the longer episode titles uh, ever. All the time when I try to say this episode, I mess it up. I'll always say Homer and Lisa and the Eighth Commandment, then I'll stop and be like, Versus? <laughs> versus Homer and Lisa and the Eighth Commandment versus Frankenstein. I think that's what the... Uh, versus the Street Fighter. <laughs> so, Sean, when did this episode first come out? February 7th, 1991. Yeah, so in this episode, Homer gets an illegal cable hookup, causing Lisa to worry about her father's sin of stealing. So, Sean, what uh, was going on in the world at, uh, around this time? So I love arcade games a lot. Yeah, yeah. And a big, big one came out February 6th. Ooh, what was that? Uh, probably the biggest arcade game of the 90s. Street Fighter 2 came out. Really? Yep. Street Fighter 2 came out in arcades. Nice. Uh, yeah, I, Street Fighter 2 is, is I mean, it's such a legendary game. It took Street Fighter 1, which was eh, and then made it incredibly awesome. Everyone loved it, and it became one of the biggest game franchises ever. And it's super inclusive and multicultural. Right? Right? Uh, I mean, you know, it's, uh... Um... Yeah, so it's full of stereotypes, but I love it. I love it so much. I love the story of Street Fighter, and I shouldn't, because it's not the greatest story. Fighting game stories are usually stupid. Oh, yeah. Fighting game stories are really, really bad, and I still really enjoy Street Fighter story for some reason. Arc System Works is the only fighting game, I think, that can pull off a decent story mode. NetherRealms has been doing it with the latest Mortal Kombat. Oh, okay. But, man, Street Fighter story is dumb, but I love those stupid little vignettes they have of the characters. <laughs> they're so good. Oh, they're so dumb. I love them. So who did you play in Street Fighter 2? Who oh. was your main out of the original cast? Now, original cast, when the game came out, I, now I bought it on Super Nintendo, uh, uh, you know, when it ported over. I don't know that I really played it much in the arcade, honestly. Uh, but uh, when I was a kid, Guile was my homeboy. I played Guile, too, growing up. I feel like a lot of American kids were just like, he's the guy from America, he's from the military, he's got to be tough. Oh, I mean, the military was a big thing at that time. Yeah, it was. I remember like when Desert Storm was going on, mm-hmm. everything was military-themed. They had military-themed trading cards. Yeah, they did. They're like, hey, you got the nuclear missile. Congrats, kid. Well, I always wanted a nuclear missile. Uh, yeah, no, it was insane. Like, I mean, like the, the patriotism was just like everywhere. And so I think that bled into just our subconscious and a lot of people were, you know, like, oh, hey, I need to play as Guile. Now, eventually I, I got better at Street Fighter and I was, you know, much better with Ryu than I was Guile, Ryu and Sagat, those kind of characters. But, uh, I do still like using Guile. I use Guile every now and then, but I moved on to like a Kami or Ryu kind of thing. Yeah, no, Kami you're really good with. I, I've gotten my butt kicked by your cami many a time. Uh, so what's going on in the world, Craig? Give us something that's depressing and not Street Fighter. Uh, I have something that's a little different. So we, we've we been talking about, uh, you know, the Persian Gulf War so much lately, uh, you know, and so I decided that uh, let's go with a different topic. Uh, and it's a little bit more geared to Michigan, uh, but I'm pretty sure he was still pretty big outside of Michigan. Jack Kevorkian. 
as of this date of uh, February 7th, had just broken a judge's order where he wouldn't consult with patients on the subject of suicide. Now, for those who are a little unfamiliar on the name Dr. Kevorkian, or uh, uh, potentially uh, it's a familiar but you can't you know, remember it, Dr. Kevorkian was known as the uh, Dr. Death. He became infamous in the 90s for creating like this suicide machine, which could help kill people with like you know, help people kill themselves uh, with, you know, for people with like terminal diseases and stuff. Now, eventually the research came out and like they, he found we found out that like Kevorkian was, you know, using this machine for people who didn't have terminal illnesses and some people who didn't even live in pain. Uh, And so, but like Kevorkian was a proponent for like, you know, that people should be able to choose when their lives end. And uh, it kind of became this like big thing in the nineties where like, you know, he's this doctor, it's assisted suicide. It's not really him killing people, but it kind of is. And yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Kevorkian will come up in the news very likely throughout the 90s as we do this show. Yeah, it was kind of like a mid-gray area on that where a doctor can't really kill a patient willingly because it goes against their Hippocratic Oath, but yeah. they want to do what's best for the patient, so they want to do assisted suicide. Mm-hmm. It's a very weird and gray area. Oh, no, it absolutely is. And that's why Kevorkian like, didn't go to jail for this until, uh, I think, uh, the early 2000s. Uh, he eventually went to jail. And uh, uh, in this case, too, it's interesting because Kevorkian was very, very open about the fact that he broke the judge's order and basically stated, like, hey, listen, like, I'm... I can't be ashamed about what I do. This is what I'm doing. I freely admit that I broke this judge's order, you know? And so like, but you know, we won't see Kevorkian in jail for a long time. So clearly this, him breaking this judge's order didn't amount to a whole heck of a lot. No, not really. Yeah. I, Interesting uh, side note, too. Uh, I feel like there is a lot of like rumors and like urban legends on how uh, the doctor uh, of death died. Are you familiar with how he uh, died? I am not actually. Dr. Kevorkian didn't die of suicide. Uh, he uh, died of like a uh, a blood clot. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it, like he he was like he had pneumonia. Uh, he was getting older, you know. So like he he was you know comfortable with death. But interestingly enough, he did not choose to die himself. He just let natural causes take over. Huh. Mm-hmm. I, when I was younger, I heard like a rumor that he like hung himself in jail, and like there was all these weird rumors about uh, Kevorkian. But yeah, no, he died a natural death. Yeah. Do you think he invented the suicide machines in Futurama? Uh, I'm sure his research went to uh, uh, absolutely went to great use in Futurama as they made those suicide booths. <laughs> ah, something good to come from the news. <laughs> You're welcome. So let's go ahead and start talking about the episode. So it's Mount Sinai, 1220 BC. That, that's a weird intro, right? Right. That's that's weird. It I, doesn't seem like it fits. I would argue that it is perhaps one of the weirdest introductions to a Simpsons episode ever. But it's great. It's because solid. it gets Phil Hartman in it. It does. Uh, so I... Uh, for the record, uh, Mount Sinai is also known as Mount Horeb or Gabal Musa, the mountain of Moses. Uh, and it's considered a holy place, not only the, uh, to the Jewish faith, but also Christian and Islamic faiths, uh, as it's said to be the location where Moses received the Ten Commandments from God. The mountain is about 7,497 feet tall, uh, and it's not the tallest mountain in Egypt. It's actually surrounded by uh, much taller mountains around it. It's it's sort of like, a, I, I don't know for, uh, 100%, but I think it's one of the shorter mountains 
mountains and surrounded by larger mountains. Yeah, in case people don't know, we're going to get into a lot of Bible trivia real quick here, and then we're going to get past it and get to the episode, because there's going to be a lot of it. <laughs> yes, there is. Uh, so, off the bat, we see there is so much hedonism going on. Like, uh, in the background, we see, like, men picking up women and run- running off with them. We see, like, you know, like, people partying, and uh, we have Ezron, the carver of graven images, uh, chatting with Homer the thief. And it's clearly Homer but from, you know, 1,220 B.C. So Hezron, the carver of golden images, or graven graven images, images, Mm -hmm. is carving golden calves. Yeah. Which are actually mentioned in Exodus 32.4. Really? It was a graven image that the Israelites were carving when Moses was gone and looking for the Ten Commandments. Really? Now yep. that's interesting. I didn't realize that that was a uh, the the specifically what he was carving was a biblical reference. I assumed that just the writers were just like, ah, oh, what should he be carving? And they were just like, oh. Yeah, needless to say, I had like three different books in front of me when I was looking up info <laughs> for this scene. I had like a Bible open up to Exodus because I'm like, okay, this is going to be important. Mm-hmm. And yeah, 32-4 Exodus, they've mentioned the carving of golden calves. That's neat. Uh, so uh, uh, Ezron and Homer are chatting about how things are going. And like the whole time Homer's trying to swipe the, some of these golden statues. Uh, and uh, I appreciate that Ezron is like, oh, I think we'll be wandering for eh, maybe another two weeks tops. Uh for those who are unfamiliar with, like, you know, biblical uh, knowledge, uh, Moses and the Jews wandered the deserts for 40 years, uh, which, uh, uh, you know, until they, like, sort of, like, found their, their you know, the uh, spot to, like, settle down at. Uh, now, uh, I also appreciate that Zohar the Adulterer uh, looks like Jacques. I love that Zohar the Adulterer looks like Jacques. And he uh, uh, makes a real snide comment about how, like, you know, how Homer's you know, wife is. And Homer's like, oh, she's doing great. Thanks for asking. And he's like, yes, yeah, she's a very, like, fine woman or whatever. And they both start, like, laughing. And it's like, oh, that, that like, hits a little too close to home. I mean, does it, though? I'm sure even back then he had trophies for sex. <laughs> that's that's what he was. Uh, that's why he stopped at uh, uh, Ezron, the uh, uh, carver of graven images. He was like, "I need a trophy for all the sex I have because I've been having sex with everyone's wife." <laughs> also, um, the for the record, so Ezron is carving images, and presumably he'll sell or trade them. That makes sense. Homer's a thief. He's stealing stuff to support himself. Okay, that makes sense. How is Zohar making money sleeping with people's wives? Are, are the wives paying him? Quite possibly. I mean, All right. he's getting trophies for it. <laughs> Wouldn't you pay for trophy-level sex? You're not wrong. I, I would... I. Actually, wait, no, you are wrong. I'm not going to admit to paying for growing level sex. That it's not something Damn, that's going I on the air. I tried so hard for that one. That ain't going on the air. That's staying secret in my noggin. Not letting that one out. Uh, so Moses is back, and I love that everyone's like, uh-oh, look busy. And they start, like, Homer starts swiping things. Ezra starts carving. And uh, I'm pretty sure uh, Jacques, or or Zohar, uh, sort of, like, kind of, like, runs his hands through his hair and, like, tries to make himself look pretty. Uh, and uh, Phil Hartman is the voice of Moses. 
And it is a great voice for Moses. A phenomenal voice. And and we're always going to be talking up Phil Hartman's voice acting skills throughout The Simpsons because he is so good. And uh, he starts going, he, he uh, says that he'll read the commandments in no particular order. Which is an ad lib by Phil Hartman. Is that it? wasn't in the original script. He was just going to read the Ten Commandments. But because they weren't in order, he thought it was really funny to say that. I shall now read the commandments in no particular order. And so he says there's no, uh, no graven image. You know, Zohar stuck. No adultery. Uh, Zohar stuck. And Ho- uh, Homer the thief is like, yeah, keep him coming, Moses. <laughs> He's like, thou shalt not steal. Screams, don't. And then drops all the statues that he had stolen. And everyone starts laughing. And they're like, Haha, better look next time, Homer. I uh, Now, before we leave Bible land. Mm-hmm. Can you name the Ten Commandments? You know what? I can because I specifically have noted them uh, uh, for what is on the wall in the Sunday school. So do you want them now or do you want to chat about them then? Let's talk about them now. Let's let's get this out of the way now. Absolutely. Uh, the first two, for the record, in the Sunday school later, do are are not shown on screen. Uh, you can't see them. Uh, they're just cut off. Uh, and the first two are, let's see here. Uh, the first two are uh, no other gods before me. Two is no graven images. Uh, let's see. Three is, uh, and now I have the specific lines from the uh, the wall. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord in vain. Uh, four is remember the Sabbath day. Five is honor thy father and mother. Six, uh, uh, thou shalt not kill. Seven, thou shalt not commit adultery. Eight, thou shalt not steal. Nine, thou shalt not bear false witness. And ten, thou shalt not covet. Boom. And those are the Ten Commandments, which, uh, according to comedian Louis Black, who is Jewish, uh, were created to keep the Jews in line. (laughs) (laughs) Essentially, he said that it was all chaos, and much like in the start of this episode, a lot of hedonism, and basically these commandments were a way for, depending on your belief, either God or man himself, to keep the Jewish people in line and make them stop doing all this crazy shit. Uh, but for the record, definitely look up Lewis Black's uh, uh, comedy work because he's very funny. Uh, but uh, yeah, so Bible, as Sean so aptly put it, Bible land vanishes and uh, we move on to uh, Homer napping in a hammock. Is this the first time we see Homer in a hammock? Because this is his usual chill spot. Second. Okay. Uh, when Bart jumped him in Bart the Daredevil, that you're was right, the other right. time. Yep. Uh, uh, but he may have been in a hammock another time, but th- this is the only other time I can think of. Uh, Santa's little helper is helping himself to lemonade uh, with his snout in the uh, glass. Please. And- <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Homer wakes up, though, because Flanders is threatening to box the ears of the cable guy. Is this the most violent we've ever seen Flanders and will ever see him until he has a breakdown? This is probably the most violent we see Flanders. Do you know what boxing someone's ears means? I'm pretty sure it's an old time phrase for like beating them up, right? So boxing someone's ears is smacking them upside the head. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. In fact, I would almost argue this is the, about the most violent we see Flanders. He yells at people when he has a breakdown. He doesn't threaten to hit them. I think this is the most violent we see Flanders. Well, he does say at the end of that episode that if somebody really ticks him off, he'll run him down with his car. Touche. Touche. You win. Uh, so this is the second most violent we ever see Flanders. Uh, 
He also dreamed that he was going to shoot Homer, too. I guess Flanders has got a dark side. Uh, I mean, we'll find that as the, the series goes on for sure. Uh, so, I, I, you know, Homer walks up and he you know wants to find out why Flanders is so mad. And uh, Fl- Flanders wanted the Arts and Crafts channel. Uh, and this guy offered uh, to, you know, for $50 to hook him up with free cable. I. Uh, Homer is like, oh, yeah, that's so bad and terrible. I got to go. Runs out in the street, waves the guy down, gets hit by him. Homer gets hit by a car. And I think one of the most weirdest things about this scene is he Homer gets hit by a car. The guy, the cable guy, gets out of the car with a tire well, iron. He doesn't so much get hit as he lays down in the road to stop him. I mean, doesn't he kind of get hit? Like he, like the car hits him, and he falls over. No, he like lays down, and like the car pulls up on top of him. Oh, okay, all right. I uh, and so, but the guy gets out of the the car with a tire iron, and he and it's a Phil Hartman's voice. And this is a a very interesting approach for Phil Hartman because throughout the Simpsons, we'll see him in very charismatic roles, very authoritative roles. Uh, is this about one of the more shady and evil roles he plays? I mean, he plays a guy who's in the mob in the episode where Bart joins the mob. Oh, does he? Yeah, he's one of the mobsters in there. Okay, all right. So, so, so this is the most... But we don't see him as outright yeah. evil and dark there, but this guy is definitely... Yes, he is. Also, this cable man first appeared in Homer's Night Out. Oh, he, did he? He was one of the background characters when Homer's walking out of the Quickie Mart when they're doing the do-do-do-do-do. Interesting. Yeah, go back and look at that scene. This cable man is a background character there, and they actually made him into a character for this episode. That's kind of amazing. I, I we see that throughout the Simpsons so often. I, I have to definitely check that out. I uh, so I uh, uh, Homer demands uh, uh, or he demands to know what Homer wants, and Homer begs him for free cable, and the guys instantly you know put at ease. Well, it's fifty bucks. I mean, what what wouldn't you do for fifty bucks, right? I mean, you know, yeah. That's 90s money, so that's like $2,000 now, right? <laughs> <laughs> I Maybe just shy of $2,000, but it's a fair amount. So, yeah, so for 50 bucks, Homer is going to get free cable. And Homer's a little nervous as the guy's hooking it up. Uh, and so the guy, you know, gives him the pamphlet, uh, a, pa- a pamphlet, and it says, so you've decided to steal cable. Uh, Probably the second best pamphlet next to So You're Going to Die. (laughs) It really is. Uh, And basically the pamphlet uh, talks about how, you know, the cable companies are big faceless corporations. They're not going to lose any money. It's no, you know, nobody gets hurt by this crime. And uh, he turns on the TV for Homer. And it's a uh, like a QVC type channel, like a home shopping network thing. Yeah, those were really big in the 90s. They They had like a few of them. Yeah, they actually had quite a bunch, and uh, it's Poopsie the Clown statue that glows in the dark. It was eighty nine ninety five, but now it's only twenty nine ninety five. Well, snap! Get me one of those. Absolutely, Sean. For Christmas, I'm gonna buy you a Poopsie the Clown statue. So, when we plan these episodes out, mm-hmm. Craig and I go to great lengths to do stupid things and look up stupid things for you. Uh-huh, yeah. Much like when you ask our buddy Tank about car damage <laughs> in the car. Uh-huh. My dad actually used to work for the cable companies. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I started asking him about stealing cable. Okay. Because that is still a thing you can do. Mm-hmm. People still steal cable. Stealing cable is a federal crime. Ooh. It can be punished with up to $1,000 and six months in jail. Really? They never will charge people with that, though. 
because mm-hmm. what the cable companies do, and this is for all you people out there stealing cable, so you know when your cable is going to get cut off. Mm-hmm. They find when big events are going to be on TV, and they cut off your cable a couple days beforehand. So, like, when the series finale of Game of Thrones was airing up, yeah, about four days before that, all of the people went out, and they started cutting off illegal cable lines and saying, oh, you want to watch Game of Thrones? Sign up through us. We'll hook you up. Oh. We got all these deals. Because I gotcha. they expect more people will sign up if they do that than if they were to just prosecute people and get money that way. Interesting. So it's almost like a business move for them. Yeah, it's essentially a sneaky business move that cable companies use. Interesting. I yeah, that is very interesting. I so yeah, the I you know Homer has cable finally. I and so he starts watching all these channels and stuff. And so he watches somebody who's like you know like a uh, uh, like clearly like Jerry Seinfeld esque. Uh, and Homer's laughing, and he's like, "It's funny because it's true." Uh, which, interesting side note, uh, I once saw uh, Jerry Seinfeld in the Fox Theater, and it was he was hilarious. He was great. Like I, he was so funny. And as me and my buddy were leaving the the show, this older lady was like, "It's so funny because it's true," and I was like. <laughs> Oh my god, that just brought back a lot of Simpsons memories. Uh also, I I thought it was interesting that Homer was super excited because there are 68 channels. Well, that was a lot back then. It was. I remember getting uh having cable when I was uh a kid and I uh, I was fairly young I think when we had cable. I I you know, I got it I think we got it fairly when I was fairly young. But I uh, as far as that goes, I mean, yeah, there was about 68 channels that like the I remember uh, I think it was Cartoon Network was on. Was it 58 when we were kids? I don't know. It was different for me because oh, you were in right. Livonia. So you had different cable than I had. Yeah, that's right. I, I lived in a, a suburb of uh, Detroit uh, back then. And yeah, it was I think it was Channel 58 was Cartoon Network, if I'm not mistaken. And I remember like when that channel came out, I was super excited. And yeah, it was that was fun. I'll get into when I first got cable in a little bit. Ooh, because this will be fun. <laughs> oh, goody. So I. Uh, yeah, so uh, uh, Marge comes in and uh, with the kids, and, and Homer brags about how they now have cable, and Marge is like, ah, like, Homer, can we afford this? Like, we've talked about cable before, and it didn't really meet our budget requirements. And Homer's like, nothing a month? Yeah, I think we can swing that. And Marge is a little leery, uh, and he tries to picture that, you know, it's MTV for the kids, VH1 for them. Uh, I love that line, by the way. <laughs> MTV for the kids and VH1 for the adults. Which... I mean, back when we were younger, that is how it worked. VH1 played like like classic rock and stuff, and MTV played like you know the pop music for for like teens and stuff. Uh, now they don't play music. I don't think. I don't even know if VH1 is a channel anymore. I don't know either. I have no clue. I, I've not owned owned cable in a while. Uh, when I moved out, I you just, don't steal it. I don't actually know. Uh, I don't know that I'm. Uh, can you steal cable easy enough in a, an apartment complex? Oh, yeah. Oh, all oh, right. Yeah, fair can. enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, and so... G- give me 50 bucks. I'll make this work for you. <laughs> it's 50 <laughs> bucks. That's a bargain. Hope I don't go to hell for this. Uh, so, uh, so you know, uh, uh, Mar- or Homer gives Marge the pamphlet, and, you know, she's looking at it, and, like, you know, like, you know, like, you're, like, the, like, uh, it's, like, something like, you know, lie, you know, like, 
cable companies provide like uh, like amazing movies. Truth, uh, most movies are like uh, uh, two stars and repeated ad nauseum. And so uh, Marge is still a little iffy. And then Homer turns on the channel, uh, uh, the Hear Me Roar Network for Women. And the show that's on talks about how they're going to cut your first aid bill in half by making your own band-aids, which doesn't seem especially feminist. It seems a little sexist that that's what the show's about. But, I mean, handmade band-aids, those are hand-aids, right? Well, I think it's kind of a play on all of like the Martha Stewart crafts that were big in the 90s. Oh, that could be. Where it's like, do this at home and you'll save so much money. Whereas now Martha Stewart is... Watch me and Snoop Dogg get high and cook stuff. <laughs> it's pretty great. <laughs> oh, what a world it is today. I uh, and I uh, so I uh, I uh, there, there's kind of like this montage of like uh, different shows they're watching, and Homer starts watching uh, wrestling. There's one show I want to point out that's in there. Oh, let's go through the shows then. So we have Mexican wrestling, where Homer says, "Down there, it's a real sport," and uh, like the uh, you have Phil Hartman yelling Spanish lines, uh, which I translated uh, and found out that basically it's just somebody who's like asking where the doctor is. Nothing too interesting there. Uh, and then it cuts to Bart watching a series of movies with uh, uh, other, like Homer and other people in the family. And he's like, this is where Jaws eats the boat. Uh, it, what is there a Jaws movie where Jaws eats a boat? He rips the back half off of the orca in the first movie. Okay. So, I mean. Which, I mean, I, I assume is what he's referencing. I, I, when I imagine this is where Jaws eats the boat, I just imagine like an entire like like a cruise liner, and Jaws is just like how and like just chomps the whole thing, and it like eats it in one bite. Uh, I mean, Jaws does roar like a lion in Jaws four. What really? Yeah, it's really stupid. That's so bad. <laughs> Jaws four is real dumb, but I love it. It's like so dumb it hurts. You, uh, you'd hate it. You'd hate it. Oh, uh, I don't doubt it. Yeah, and then I uh, I he uh, Bart says this is where Die Hard jumps through the window. Uh, which, I mean, it's his name isn't Die Hard. Die Hard's the movie. Yeah, he's John McClane. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was a little weird. But Bart's a kid. He doesn't know this. He's that's, watching it for the first time. That's true. Uh, and then he says, this is where Wall Street gets arrested. I have no clue what that's a reference to. Uh, that's a reference to the movie Wall Street. Oh, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> that, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, and then I also found that... Uh, uh, Phil Hartman can make C-SPAN entertaining because he cuts to C-SPAN and like, and Homer's like listening and they're like trade deficits. If you go to the 6,000th 6, page of my bill proposal and Homer's like, I can't be- believe people watch this stupid stuff. And he turns the, the channel to cockfighting. Yeah. There's Mexican cockfighting. I don't know that they ever played cockfighting on TV in the nineties or ever. You didn't have the shady channels. I guess I didn't. I, and then uh, the final uh, uh, episode, or the final show that we see is, I'm sure, the one you want to talk about, because I know that this has a little bit of a special place for you in your heart, uh, is, uh, oh, and also we notice the houseplant dying, slowly dying <laughs> next to the, the, you know, the couch as they uh, uh, watch all these TV shows. But, Sean, I bet you want to talk about Davy and Goliath. Oh, you are goddamn right. I want to talk about Davy and Goliath. Do not use the Lord's name in vain. Do you want to go to hell, Sean? Listen, when I'm talking about a religious cartoon, it's okay. Is that how it works? I think so. Oh, okay. So Davy and Goliath was a stop-motion cartoon that started in 1964. Ooh. And it was to teach kids religious morals. Okay. Growing up, I was a much more wholesome and good person. 
Oh, is that right? I was very different. Uh-huh. I loved Davy and Goliath. Really? Absolutely loved it. To the point where I actually have a bunch of the Davy and Goliath DVDs nowadays. <laughs> They're real bad. They're really, really bad. Because it's this adventures of this little kid and his talking dog. And they, they basically are like, well, Davy, do you want to do that? I don't know, Davy. What do you think? And then we learn a religious moral at the end and everything's happy. I love Davy and Goliath so much. And it's not only the time it gets mentioned in The Simpsons. Oh, no, it does get uh, mentioned uh, Because uh, Rod more. and Todd used to watch it. Uh-huh, that's right. But then they thought the idea of a talking dog was blasphemous. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Flanderses. I love them so much. They're pretty good. I. Uh, but yeah, if anybody doesn't know what Davy and Goliath is and wants a quick idea, you can YouTube it and you can find a bunch of those clips. And you'll realize how bad it is. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it so much. It's, it's kind of like Gumby, where it's got that wholesome kind of like stop motion. It's a little janky. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, 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 Davy and Goliath, Gumby, Sesame Street. I, I, you know, I, like all, uh, even Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. All those shows when we were kids, I didn't watch. I watched G.I. Joe, Transformers, and like all the other violent shows. What's wrong with you? Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was great. I was a little sociopath even when I was a kid. God. I mean, Fred Rogers himself is objectively an amazing human being, but I didn't watch it when I was a kid. I had so no you didn't clue. see him go to the Cran factory? I didn't go to see you him. You learn how crayons get made? I didn't know how crayons were made. All I knew is that, the, is that with enough violence, I could have all the crayons I wanted. That's all I knew. This is why you're a super villain. You're not wrong. Uh, <laughs> so I I here I'm learning morals and Craig just cobra. <laughs> la, 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 la. Yeah, pretty much. Making terrorist organizations to, that are determined to rule the world. I uh, so uh, Marge comes in and she's like, Homer, it's time for church. And I feel like the like uh, in my head when I was watching the episode for you know the first time, I just sort of thought, oh wow, Homer watched a lot of TV in a day. I feel like this montage of showing the plant dying was basically showing, hey, Homer's been in front of the TV for like a week. Oh yeah, I'm sure that's all he did after he got off work. Yeah. He gets up and like there's an imprint of him on the couch, and it's like kind of gross, and it's like like as he gets up, I. And so we get to church, and uh, Reverend Lovejoy is talking about how, you know, the modern man doesn't need God because he has his hi-fi, his boob tube, and instant pizza pie. And Homer's like, mmm, pizza pie. And it cuts to Bart, who has not yet been kicked out of Sunday school. Later, yeah, later we'll see that he's been booted out, but uh, not yet. I used to go to Sunday school. (laughs) And it's exactly how they portray it. Really? I've never been. It is almost identical at least my experience was that's funny and i was just like bart where i wanted to get to the cool parts of the bible <laughs> i didn't want the boring parts uh, i now that doesn't surprise me i uh, so yeah i uh, uh bart's like he sat through mercy and forgiveness and now we're finally on to the good stuff and i uh, i believe her name is miss albright uh, who is the uh, uh, Sunday school teacher, who we'll see will uh, be the Sunday school teacher later in the series. And she even appears as a background character on occasion. Uh, we also see that Bart and Lisa are joined by Martin Milhouse, a girl who kind of looks like Sarah Plain and Tall. Uh, she's that uh, 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 person that we see uh, uh, who is, like, is kind of like taller and has really long brown, brown hair as a background character. Uh, and then we also have Franklin and Lewis. I uh, 
course Martin's in Sunday school. <laughs> oh, you and Martin. Uh, and so uh, Miss Albright says that uh, uh, hell is a terrible place. Maggots are your sheets. Worms are your blanket. There's a, a lake of burning fire with sulfur, and you're tormented forever and ever and ever. Uh, and she says that if you saw hell, you'd be so afraid you'd die. Which, Bart. I mean, whether it was a dream or not, kind of got a glimpse of hell and he didn't kick the bucket. Yeah, that's kind of Lovecraftian, though, where if you see it, it drives you just absolutely mad and you die. Mm-hmm. That is very Lovecraftian. Uh, I mean, but like, I, I think if, you know, like, I, I think when it comes to the idea of hell, you know, it's it's been definitely portrayed as like, you know, fire and brimstone. And even Lisa later in the episode will imagine it that way. Bart's imagine it that way. I. Uh, but you know, I mean, arguably, it's a it's a, a dimension of just pure suffering where you're made to just be like tormented. I I yeah, I, I mean, I can understand how how that's sort of the the sort of the explanation for like you know what is hell really like? We don't know. We can't even imagine how terrible it would be. Uh, but I, I just imagine one dude who's a marine just kicking the crap out of demons. <laughs> Uh, that's Doom, Sean. Uh, D- Doom portrays <laughs> hell perfectly. I mean, I'm not saying it's not a cool uh, interpretation of hell. I just, I mean, I don't know. I just don't know how accurate that is. Listen, when I go to hell, I'm going to look at the Doom Slayer and say, sign me up. And then he's going to smash your skull in. Repeatedly. <laughs> 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 uh, so uh, uh, Bart asks a few questions uh, he wants to know if you get used to it like a hot tub and she's like no Bart and he's like are there pirates in hell and she's like thousands of them and he's like oh baby <laughs> which I mean let's face it pirates are really cool I get it but are pirates really going to hell I mean did they do really that horrible yeah, yeah they're all in hell, mm-hmm, they're yes. all in hell. <laughs> nearly every single pirate is in hell Unless we're talking about the world of One Piece and, like, a few aren't in hell. <laughs> <laughs> I like how it's just a few in One Piece. Like, a few. Like, a handful. Uh, man, love One Piece. So we've talked about all the, uh, the you know, commandments. They're all up on the wall behind. And uh, Lisa's nervous. Uh, Lisa's a little on the iffy side. Uh, she's nervous because her dad has stolen uh, and on the way uh, uh, back home after Sunday school, uh, Maggie, uh, for the record, is in a car seat in the back seat, finally. Good on the animators. Uh-huh. Yeah, they finally got that right. It's not like just being held in Marge's hands as they drive around like without a seatbelt or anything. Uh, and uh, I love Bart's line where like uh, they're like, Marge is like, all right, what did you learn in Sunday school? And Bart's like, hell. And Homer gets mad. And he's like, well, I can't talk about hell if, or I can't uh, tell you we talked about hell if I can't say hell. Now, can I? And he goes through this long spiel and Bart's or Homer's like, ah, kid's got a point. He's like, hell yes. I did the exact same thing as a kid. <laughs> I went to Sunday school, talked about hell. And literally the whole car ride home, I was like, hell, 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 hell. <laughs> For the record, is is Bart is so damn obnoxious in that scene where he sings the hell song. He was real clever and slick before then when he starts like spewing the word hell out because he needs to use it to explain what he talked about and what they learned. But then he starts singing the hell song, which he'll do with another curse word later in the series. Which I totally did as a kid. <laughs> I was Bart growing up. Oh, man. With a little bit of Martin Prince in there. God, I hate that side of me. <laughs> 
So we get back to uh, home and they're, you know, going to watch more TV. Uh, and we finally have a character introduced that I've been waiting for. Troy McClure. Which character? Oh, it's Troy McClure. You might remember him. And who else? And uh, we also have uh, uh, the return of Dr. Nick Riviera. Who oddly is now on TV. Uh, I mean, he's like just this shady. Well, hold on. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. So one of the first things I want to mention is when the screen is panned out, uh, we see one of the people in the crowd is purple. And I don't mean she has purple hair. I mean, like, she looks similar to, like, the blueberry girl from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, both, I guess. Yeah, there's a purple lady in the crowd. Weird. Yeah. Make sure to take a look at that the next time you get a chance. Was anybody wearing a domino mask? Uh, ooh, I didn't notice the domino mask, but there might have been. I hope so. Uh, so, Troy McClure is on I Can't Believe They Invented It. Uh, and you might remember Troy McClure from such films as Cry Yuma and Here Comes the Coast Guard. And today, he's going to talk to you about a candy that cleans and straightens your teeth. Tina, who's on stage, says that she's a little confused. Troy McClure says, it, no confusion, Tina, just good science. And then they bring in Dr. Nick Riviera. Uh, who once again repeats his line, hi, everybody, as he comes in. And uh, here's here's the thing. Uh, it seems weird, right, having a doctor on TV. It's super weird. Oh, I want you to consider something, Sean. Dr. Oz. So I get that. But Dr. <laughs> Oz got on TV by writing many articles mm-hmm. and making minor appearances before he got his own TV show. Dr. Oz's show is where he extols the virtue of miracle breakthroughs and, like, phony medicines that, like, he gets paid a ton of money to advertise. As far as I'm concerned, that's what Dr. Nick is doing here. Somebody else made something, needed him to pitch it, and they got the first quack doctor they could do. Dr. Oz got famous talking about poop. Let's be honest for a second. And Dr. Nick Riviera got famous by helping, you know, children look more injured than they were. I'm not, re- you're right. I'm not really sure entirely why it, it's, it's Dr. A, Nick. It's very weird. I, it just stands out to me. It's oh, a it likable character, so I get why. I love Dr. Nick. Mm-hmm. But it's really weird that he's on the show. It is weird, but you know what? I, I just t- chalk it up to the fact that Dr. Nick, it must be like putting his name over other people's research and putting it out there. Uh, maybe he was on a TV show previously we don't know about or something. Because let's face it, the Simpsons don't have cable. Maybe he killed somebody. <laughs> Who knows? Things happen. Uh, you know, maybe Dr. Nick is a little bit like Kevorkian or something. Who knows? That's how you bring it back to the news. <laughs> Full circle. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, uh, what I thought was interesting, even maybe a little more interesting than Dr. Nick being on TV, is the Simpsons don't stop and they're not like, hey, what the hell is that quack doing on TV? Like, they know Dr. Nick. Yeah, they have no reaction to it nope, whatsoever. None. None whatsoever. Uh, also, uh, as Lisa's imagination starts to get a little out of hand, we can still hear Dr. Nick talking. And he says he needs a volunteer from the audience, uh, one with crooked and yellow teeth. Dr. Nick is such a piece of crap. <laughs> I, love, <laughs> I love him. I love him so much, but he really is. Uh, Lisa sees uh, in her mind that the temperature starts to rise. The house melts and a devil appears on the middle of her couch. 
Same devil as the one that uh, Bart saw. Same design and everything, though a different hell. I. Uh, it's this hell is a little less artistic. It's just lava and you know, like you know, stone, you know, like stalagmites and stalactites jutting everywhere. And the devil says, "Cable won't cost or the cable. Uh, your cable won't cost much. Just your soul." And uh, uh, starts laughing maniacally. And Lisa screams, runs off, and I, uh, I. Uh, I believe Marge says, uh, what got into Lisa? Maybe Homer did. And then Bart replies, beats the hell out of me. So this is one of two scenes in The Simpsons, mm-hmm. growing up as a little kid, yeah. that scared the hell out of me. Really? So there was the one in Trios of Horrors with the um, Indian burial ground, mm-hmm. and this one. And the reason this scared the hell out of me, because I was a good little boy who went to Sunday school, yeah. went to church every week, and we were totally stealing cable at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so how did your family come to steal cable with a father who was in the cable business? He wasn't working for them then. Oh. So we were stealing cable back then, and I was terrified that we were going to hell. That is hilarious. So this episode had the effect it was supposed to have on me. And I'm so glad it did, because it stands out to me every time I watch it. That is amazing. Uh, any any thoughts? Like, I, obviously, you were a kid at the time, so I'm sure you didn't really talk to the cable guy. You didn't see it getting hooked up or anything. But, like, any any notes on, like, how it's different from, like, regular cable? Um, It was just a coax cable that was connected into one of the wire lines, and you just run it down the telephone pole into your house. Really? Yeah. Seems simple. It's super simple. Seems like I could spend fifty dollars and get myself some free cable right now. <laughs> so yeah, we were stealing cable at the time, and I was terrified of hell. So this episode really, really affected me. I had nightmares about it. That is that is really funny. Thought my bedroom was going to become hell. <laughs> so the scene transitions, and uh, uh, Marge is at the grocery store. Uh, and, you know, sometimes they'll go to Quickie Mart for just something fast, but other times they, you know, go to the, the grocery store. And we see the cart roll down the hill. Which we see that scene a million times. Oh, yeah. This gets reused in a lot of different episodes, and it's always the same scene with the cart going down the hill. I think we should do a cart count. Cart count? And every time it shows up, we should just <laughs> count another one on there. We'll have to remember to do that. Uh, so uh, while Marge is looking at something, you know, and Lisa has her back turned or whatever, we see Maggie tossing items into the cart, just like, you know, throwing tons of stuff in. Uh, Marge tries the grapes when they're in the produce section. And Lisa's concerned. In the background, by the way, we see Jimbo Jones stealing fruit. I don't know why. Maybe he's going to throw it at cars. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Uh, but uh, Lisa throws a hissy fit. She uh, asks her mom, like, you know, what's the, what commandment number, like, you know, she, you know, she just broke. And Marge is like, ah, thou shalt not. Uh, Lisa's graven. <laughs> yes, she is. She really is. It's 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 almost a little unbearable because here's the thing. Yeah. If you go to a grocery store and you just start like chowing down on everything. Okay, yeah, that's a bit much. But if you go to buy grapes and you try one to see how they are first, that's just that's just common sense. You you need to know what you're buying first. The grocery store isn't going to like, you know, throw like, you know, throw you out because you had a grape. If you have an apple, okay, yeah, maybe that's a bit much, but a grape isn't that big of a deal. When we worked in a grocery store, uh-huh, 
Yeah, we uh, for our listeners who are just popping into this episode, uh, we've mentioned in uh, a bunch of other episodes, Sean and I worked together at a grocery store for quite a few years. There was a woman I worked with. I don't want to get too into it. Oh, yeah, yeah. She was a nameless but woman. Uh-huh. Nameless woman who threw a hissy fit one time when somebody ate grapes. And it was just because she wanted to be a little prejudice. Awkward. It was super awkward. Real awkward. But I thought of The Simpsons and I got through it. <laughs> so Lisa shrieks out, thou shalt not steal to her mother. And while they're in line, uh, we have uh, uh, Lisa who who's like staring at her mom. And Marge just like, you know, tells the guy, uh, sir, you know, could you charge me for two grapes? And the guy's like, two grapes? Who cares? Which is the proper reaction. No, I, like, like, I don't even know what, like, how you would do that. Like, how you would charge for two grapes. If I was running a register and someone was very insistent that they wanted to be charged for the two grapes, uh, two cents. Boom, you're done. I don't care. You know, get out, get out of my store. I'd pro- probably throw a nickel on the scale. So it had a little bit of weight to it and charge them that price. Oh, for for the, you know, but here's the thing. It's going to come out to a few pennies anyway. Oh, I know. <laughs> but if they were insistent, I would do that to make them happy. Uh, so, uh, you know, Marge is a little iffy about this and she's a little embarrassed because the guy's like using the PA system. He's like, I need the price of two grapes. That's right. You heard me. Two measly grapes. And uh, Lisa's happy that her mom did the quote unquote right thing. Uh, which, I mean, I kind of get, and especially for an impressionable child who's very nervous about these things, fair enough. Cuts back to uh, them watching cable, and it's the Blockbuster channel. Uh, I'm sure this channel will last a long time. Uh, and uh, Lisa walks up to her dad, and Homer's trying to, like, you know, look around her and watch TV. And Lisa wants to know, uh, she asks, Dad, why is the world such a cesspool of corruption? And Homer goes, oh, I need to remember that line and use it next time you have really depressing news at the start of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I, you know, I, she's like, you know, like, you know, aren't we stealing, you know, cable, yada, yada. I, you know, and she wants to know because, you know, it's a sin. And uh, Homer says, uh, like, he's like, well, you know, did you pay for your breakfast this morning? And Lisa's like, well, No. And he's like, did you pay for the clothes that are on you? And she's like, no. And he's like, well, run for the hills, Ma Barker. Uh, and she replies that, you know, that was very spurious. Uh, spurious. And uh, Homer uh, says, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, honey. Uh, now, Sean, are you familiar with who Ma Barker is? Of the Barker Carpus family? There we go. Exactly. She was a mobster or the mother of mobsters. Uh, did you get a lot of info on her? I did not get that much info on her. Okay. But so, it is a very deep cut that Homer throws out, I'd like to point out. Oh, yeah. He absolutely does. So Ma Barker, a.k.a. Kate Barker, was the mother of several criminals. Uh, on January 16th, 1935, she died in a shootout with the FBI after they came uh, while the, a lot of the rest of the gang was gone, uh, only her, catching her and her son, Fred J. Uh, or I'm sorry, no, uh, just Fred, Fred Barker. J. Edgar Hoover claimed that she was a devious mastermind, but a lot of people think that she was just kind of along for the ride with her sons, and because they killed her in a shootout, they kind of had to make her into a villain to, like, you know, 
uh, show that, justify you know, it yeah justify it exactly uh she uh has been in a lot of different movies and stuff uh they've they've shown her uh depicted as like a, a mastermind criminal uh you know I, I think there maybe even have been some movies where she's had a little bit more of a sympathetic like but she inspired ma beagle on the ducktales cartoon Ma Beagle was never in the original DuckTales comic. Uh, she was created for uh, the DuckTales cartoon and uh, was a reference to Ma Barker, the mother of this gang of criminals. God, do I love DuckTales. Right? <laughs> DuckTales is so good. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that is uh, the uh, history lesson on uh, uh, Ma Barker. Uh, but uh, Homer then... Uh, as he sends, uh, or as he like, he, as uh, Lisa's like in his lap, I think he jumps up and drops her to the ground because it's the bout to knock the other guy out, and this time it's for money. <laughs> what a great fight title! And Homer starts kissing the cable line, saying, "How can one little insulated wire bring so much happiness?" So I feel like this is kind of an outdated joke. Not mm-hmm. not so much the cable line, mm-hmm. but boxing. Boxing does not have the popularity it used to have because oh. MMA and Ultimate Fighting have really taken that spot. It definitely has. I mean, boxing is still big. It's just not as big. I mean, a lot of that market did get kind of cut into by MMA and you know all the the you know, mixed martial artists and stuff like that for sure. Yeah, like a lot of boxing matches were big pay per view events that cost a lot of money, and now they're mostly shown on HBO. So if you have mm-hmm. HBO, you can watch a boxing fight. Yeah, that is true. They they used to be big pay-per-view events, and you're right. They I don't think they have nearly as many. I think championship bouts are uh for sure. But like like but usually it's I think like, you know, only real big name ones. But boxing was huge in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. I uh, because we had the rise of Mike Tyson, essentially. Yeah, that was that Iron was, Mike. We I, we'll chat a little bit about that in uh, yeah, a little later in this episode. I uh, uh, Mike Tyson was big to do back then. Uh, so it cuts to the nuclear power plant, and once again, as Sean pointed out, we hear the crow caw. Uh, I'm glad that you notice that every time. Now. now I do. I absolutely do. Uh, and uh, Homer, uh, Lenny, and Carl are in decontamination showers, uh, which are a real thing. Uh, apparently, I don't know that. Like I feel like you only need them when you've been contaminated, so it's a little concerning that they're having very casual showers like it happens all the time. But no matter. I uh, I mean, the power plant does leak radiation on times. Yeah, it leaks it almost all the time. We find that later throughout the series, too. Uh, so uh, Lenny and Carl's idea is to listen to it on the radio and then see the still images of the boxing match on the news at 11 o'clock. Uh, Homer, however... Says, you know, we could do that. Or we could watch it on my cable. And they're super excited and Homer's going to throw a party. Uh, Burns has audio and image for the showers. That's weird. That's, that's real that's weird. That's real weird. It's really, really weird. Uh, and uh, he's super excited for Watson versus Tatum 2. Uh, and he, he says that he's going to go see it at Homer's place. And Smithers is like, well... You know, uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. He says that he's going to see it at Homer's place, and he says, I can imagine it now. Screen door rusting off its filthy hinges. Mangy dog staggering about looking vainly for a place to die. And then Smithers is like, permission to speak freely? And, and Burns is like, of course, go ahead. And Smithers is, like, or Smithers is like, well, you are quite wealthy, sir. And he says, thank you. Uh, your candor is most refreshing. And he says, 
no, I mean, like, can't you just pay for the fight yourself? And Burns says that uh, uh, watching a fight is one of the few times in his existence where he likes the smell of other men. It's a manly bonding experience. I, I feel like that's worded funny. Like, I mean, it, like... It, it is worded funny. If I if I told everybody, like, hey, we're going to watch a, a MMA fight or a boxing match at my place, you know, I'll, I'll get, you know, pay-per-view it or, or stream it online, whatever the case may be, you know... And everyone's like, oh, Craig, yeah, why are you throwing this party? And my response was, I want to I wanna bond with all my friends, all my male you know, dude friends or whatever. Oh, okay, yeah, that's nice. If I said, I want to smell you, nobody would show up at my goddamn party. Uh-oh. Oh, no, I'm going to hell. <laughs> no, you're going to hell. We're both screwed. Oh, goddamn. Oh, no. Listen, if I had a sense of smell, I would use that as one of the excuses for why <laughs> I play D&D every week. But I have a terrible sense of smell. I like the smell of other men. Oh, all right, Sean. I thought you enjoyed D&D, but uh, that's what you're into. Fair nope, enough. just sniffing the men. <laughs> Touche. All right, that's fine. I uh, so I uh, uh, it cuts to uh, uh, Homer at the bar. Uh, we see like you know some of the bar flies around and stuff, and he's chatting with uh, uh, you know Mo and Barney. Uh, we see a cigarette machine in the bar, which is not a thing anymore. I uh, I mean, right? They still have a cigarette machine. Really? Where? Over at one of the Chinese restaurants in our local area for anyone who's in the Westland Livonia area at 10 Yen Restaurant. Oh, yeah, they do. But, I mean, they don't stock it or anything. It's just the machine itself. Yeah, it's just the machine. It's just a cool-looking thing. I mean, but, like, back in the day, that was a thing. Machines that you could put some money in and, like, you know, it would crank out a pack of cigarettes to anybody who could walk up to the machine. Typically, the, the trick was they were in bars and things like that yeah, where you had to be true. of age to go into. That's very true. Yeah. I'm I mean, sure we could still find some if we went out to Vegas because they hand out free cigarettes at the casinos there. That's kind of funny. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, so uh, uh, Homer asked Mo why he doesn't have cable. And he says he could have had cable, but instead he chose the mechanical bull. And we see the mechanical bull in the corner, dusty and, you know, looking terrible. But Mo stands by his decision. Mo does stand by his decision. Uh, it then cuts to the Quickie Mart. And on camera, we see Jimbo stealing again. Uh, I don't remember what he stole from the Quickie Mart. I, I think it might have just been him reaching and just they animated just something being put under his like, uh, I, I didn't jacket. catch what he stole. Yeah, I didn't either. Uh, Homer invites Apu to his party. And, I mean, in, in this case, we once again see that Apu is a friend of Homer's. Because, I mean, I don't think I would ever invite the people at my convenience stores in nearby to go to a party I'm throwing. Like, I mean, you know, they're nice people, sure. Like, you know, I, anyone I've gotten to know at, like, you know, my my local drugstore or the, you know, like, 7-Eleven down the road. Like, you know, sure, they're nice enough, but, like, I don't think I'd invite them to a party. So let me ask you, when uh-huh. we worked at the grocery store, did anyone ever invite you to a party? I uh, no, and a lot of people really loved me uh, at that damn store. No, I don't think anyone invited me to a party. You know what? Maybe like like once or twice, like, oh, we're in the neighborhood or something like that. Just like a very vague, like it's a big party kind of like thing, but like nothing very specific. I don't think I was ever invited to a party, if I remember right. That's so sad. <laughs> not, not at work, anyway, I mean. <laughs> Anywho, uh, so, you know, I mean, I, I guess Apu was in a band with Homer previously, so uh, it makes sense that they're friends. Uh, 
And then uh, Homer says, oh, you know, because uh, Apu first, at first turns him down. He's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty busy with work and everything. And Homer's like, oh, well, you know, if you know you want to watch the game, just let me know. And Apu immediately changes his mind. He wasn't going to hang out with Homer for no reason, but he is willing to go and watch a game. Uh, he says that he'll get his brother Sanjay uh, into work for him since he deplores violence of any kind. Yet Sanjay's kid has a gun. Sanjay doesn't like it, but his son has a gun. <laughs> yeah. A shotgun at that, I think, or a rifle or something. I. Uh, so I. Uh, I. Uh, it cuts to, ch- uh, I believe, church, and uh, the sign outside says, God, the original love connection. I. Uh, and Lisa's asking Reverend Lovejoy for advice. I. Uh, and she asks, you know, like, is it okay for a family to steal bread? Uh, to feed, uh, feed a starving family, or do they go to hell? And uh, Reverend Lovejoy says, no, no, that's okay. You know, you won't go to hell for that. But you will if you put jelly on it. So I love this scene uh-huh. because a lot of times we see Reverend Lovejoy giving religious advice. Mm-hmm. It's to Flanders. Uh-huh. And he hates Flanders. Yes, he does. This is him generally caring about his job and trying to give good advice to Lisa. Mm-hmm. I really like this scene with Reverend Lovejoy. Yeah, we uh, we don't see this side of Lovejoy that often. Uh, you know, a lot of the times he's depicted as like the kind of cliche, haughtier, kind of holier than thou kind of character, or hating on Flanders. Uh, but in this episode, yeah, he's he's kind of given uh, some pretty decent advice. I uh, and so Lisa admits that her father is stealing, or no, I I I I'm sorry. Uh, she says, mentions her father, and uh, Reverend Lovejoy says, "Is he stealing bread?" <laughs> and she's like, "No, no, no." But you know, uh, you know, he might be. I don't watch him all the time. And they find uh, Lisa. That's a real shitty line from Lisa. I just want to point that out there. It really he is. might be. I don't watch him all the time. Yeah, that is pretty sh- pretty crummy. Uh, but I. Yeah, Lisa says that her father's stealing cable, and she wants some advice. And she says, is the ideal solution to get my father arrested? And Reverend Lovejoy says, yes, it would be, except honor thy father and mother. And Reverend Lovejoy instead says, hey, you know, maybe you should just take a stand and say that you're not going to watch it, you know, this cable. And, you know, Lisa thanks him, and they take off. Meanwhile, Bart is watching Top Hat Entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> Adult programming that's found on uh, in every state except for Florida and Utah. I, but I. Do, can, do we have time for a quick story, Sean? Yeah, throw out a quick story. No. It's it, always fun. Now, I never had uh, a, por- a porn channel or anything. But back in the day, uh, you technically could go through cable and turn on channels you didn't have. And they would be staticky kind of images that would sometimes come through. And I distinctly remember, like, Friday and Saturday nights, like, there were certain channels I had, like, on the TV. Because uh, eventually we got a uh, cable in my room, uh, you know, because I had a TV then uh, in there to play video games. Because, you know, my mom didn't want me stealing the and hogging the TV for video games all the time. And, it, you know, you couldn't see anything especially well. But all those, all, like, all of a sudden this blurry image would come in and there'd be nudity. And you'd get a little bit of porn, and it would be gone. And I distinctly remember my creepy little prepubescent self watching that stuff. I would judge, but I did the exact (laughs) same thing. (laughs) Was it right of me? No. Am I going to hell? Yes, but for other reasons. 
Uh, so, uh, so Bart's watching this, you know, like top hat entertainment. Uh, and, uh, uh, the show that comes on is Stardust Memories. That is such a good title. So I work in a video store. Uh huh. Yeah. Part time. Yeah. Yeah. Times. Mm-hmm. And adult titles aren't as funny as you think they are. Oh, that's a shame. Half the time they're not parodies like that where they're just like, this is, you know, the Jurassic Park porno. That's the title of the movie. Oh. But every now and then, uh-huh. you get a Stardust Memories and you get a Girth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> <laughs> so when those do come out, I appreciate them. And it seems like there's more good porn titles as background jokes in The Simpsons than there are in real life. That's kind of a shame that it can't mimic that because, I mean... Stardust it, Memories is uh, so good. It's pretty great. It's a pretty amazing title. Now, is it based on the old song from World War II, or is it a Mobile Suit Gundam porn? Stardust Memories, the porn. Uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, 0083, Stardust Memories, the porn. Uh, I hope it's the Gundam porn. That's what I'm hoping for. Uh, Bart watches it, kind of turns his head a little bit, and then says, I caramba. Uh, and at this point, it is basically a catchphrase. Bart has now uttered that line quite a few times. Uh, and I... Uh, the like when it cuts to Homer, who's walked in on Bart, he all you see from the TV is like Greek uh, or sorry Greek like pantheon columns, because uh, like there's a, a brief moment where you can actually see what would be on the TV. Uh, so maybe that's all they showed, and Bart thought, oh wow, is that what sex is like Greek columns? <laughs> I caramba, I uh, but I. Uh, Homer uh, try like you know walks in and Bart like makes an excuse, turns the channel, and he says that porn is for mommies and daddies who love each other. I disagree. I don't think that that's necessarily that exclusive. I don't think it's that exclusive. No. Mm-hmm. Next subject. So, uh, uh, Lisa, uh, you know, while they're watching cable, Lisa it says that she's going to take a stand, uh, and Homer says. I, you know, like, honey, there's racing from Belmont, horsies. And Lisa says, sorry, I'd rather go to heaven. Damn. Lisa's on a high horse there, so she doesn't need horsies. She is on a very high horse. And don't be wrong. Yeah, it's wrong to steal cable. I get it. But, like, I'd rather go to heaven? Wow. Oof. And Homer is taking that to heart. Homer is, you know, Homer is a little nervous and, you know, he makes pro- uh, Bart promise that he's not going to watch, you know, that channel anymore, uh, which, I mean, here's a question for you, Sean. If, if you steal cable, like, do you get everything no matter what? Like, there's no way to block certain channels, right? It depends on what, how you're stealing. Sometimes you can steal all the premium channels. Oh. Other times you can't. Back in the 90s, you typically just got the basic cable. I see. So technically, he sh- they shouldn't have had this channel yeah. for The Simpsons. Okay. I, that makes sense. I, so Homer and Marge are talking late at night, and uh, you know, I... Lisa's just too moral, and Homer, you know, saying like, "Can't there be a, you know?" But she shouldn't necessarily be like Barton. Can't there be a happy medium? And Marge is, you know, a little leery of the cable due to the porn and the lack of respect that Lisa has for Homer. And Homer, I uh, has a weird moment where he says he's going to put his foot down about how they were going to keep the cable, and he very literally puts his foot down over like where we as the viewers would see like what the camera would be on the floor. 
not a big fan of this scene, in all honesty. Yeah, the fact that Homer is is very adamant about stealing cable and won't listen to his wife about it. And like, I mean, I, I get like, okay, you know, this is a, a, a cheap way or a cheap entertainment. They've already paid the money. I mean, I kind of get that side of things. But like, I mean, put your foot down. Like, that's kind of weird. It almost seems very Honeymooners-esque, like, oh, I'm putting my foot down. Insert laugh track, putting his foot on the, the floor. One of these days, Marge, one of these days. <laughs> Pow, zip, bang, boom, over the moon. That's a euphemism for beating his wife. Anyway, <laughs> I... <laughs> I love that you had to point that out. <laughs> so it cuts back to Homer watching Cable, and we once again have... Lemonade? Please. And Homer complains that he saw that one already and turns the channel. So I think that's a weird joke. Yeah? I don't think that episode would be re-shown in syndication. Because it because went over like a lead balloon? Yeah, it's so bad and everybody hated it. Maybe it got repeated a few times and then they eventually pulled it. Because I think this is about the last time we have that Itchy and Scratchy referenced. But man, is that a good itchy and scratchy episode? Porch <laughs> pals is the best. Porch pals for life. I uh, so uh, Homer turns the channel. It's the teeth cleaning candy again. He turns the channel. It's soccer. I uh, I uh, and then out of the blue, while he's changing channels, the cable guy walks in from out of his kitchen, holding a stereo, a car stereo. And Homer's like, where the hell did you come from? And the guy go in Phil Hartman's voice says, the door wasn't locked in any serious way. But he's got a car stereo with a $500 value that he's willing to sell for only $40. And Homer's like, what the hell? No, get the hell out of my house. And he says, well, maybe your neighbor's home. And Homer says that Flanders, or or, uh, Homer says, you know, Flanders isn't home. And the cable guy says, even better. That is such a good and creepy line. <laughs> it really is. And next we see Homer is putting bars, uh, extra locks on the doors, bars on all the windows. Uh, and he says that thieves are everywhere and, uh, you know, not uh, not for just the small forgivable stuff. While Homer's doing that, it cuts to Bart in a top hat and cape charging 50 cents to all of his classmates to come and watch porn, basically. So I did a head count when we get a shot of all the kids. Mm -hmm. Bart has 16 kids in his house watching the adult channel. So he made about $8? Yeah, he made about 8 bucks Mm. For a little kid in the 90s, that's awesome. That's like four G.I. Joes. I mean, you're not wrong. (laughs) You're not wrong. Uh, Also, uh, uh, just to note... uh, uh, some of the kids that are there are Nelson, Jimbo, Dolphin, Kearney, Ralph, Wendell, who looks a little sick, uh, the American agent that was caught in Albania. The American kid that was taken from Albania, who is a secret agent for the government, is in this room, as well as the kid who sings My Dingaling uh, at one of the pageants, uh, the kid from the arcade who taught Homer. Martin, Millhouse, and some random kids. And it's the weirdest one to me is like Ralph and and Martin because uh, I, I, uh, they just don't strike me as the type of kids that would want to go out of their way to watch porn. But Martin does deliver a line that I actually love from him. Ah, and what is that? It's when they're watching it and he says it's strangely exciting. <laughs> That's so awkward. 
I... Homer comes in, one of the kids yells, it's a raid! I think it's maybe Millhouse, and then uh, uh, they all run off, and Homer's like, you know, Bart, he's like, you broke your promise, what the you know, what the hell, yada yada, and uh, he sends Bart to his room, and Bart utters, I wish I was an adult so I could break the rules. And there goes another jab into the heart for Homer, who's having second thoughts. And then the night, or the, the party begins, because this is the evening where they're going to watch the game. Barney comes in and brings Brow. Uh, B-R-A-U, which, to the best of my knowledge, is not an actual brand of beer in this time. There is now a brewery uh, that was uh, made in more recent years that has that name, uh, but it's the German word for brown or beer. It's like a you know slang term for beer. Apu brings jerky, uh, and when Homer's like, oh, just swipe this from work, Apu's like, certainly not. He's like, and he gets offended. Uh, let's see. Inside, we have Lenny, Carl, Grandpa Simpson, Jasper, Otto, and a whole bunch of other dudes. The uh, table that has been made in this, because it's not the living room they're in. They're in the den, like the room that's like close to the front door. Yeah. Which is kind of weird to me. A little bit. I feel like they did that for the imagery of having like Lisa and the rest of the family outside, you know, and being able to look in and watch. Uh, But they moved the TV around a whole bunch in The Simpsons. I uh, let's see. I uh, the oh, uh, and the table is made of cinder blocks for some reason. Homer swiped him from like a children's hospital or something. I don't know. I uh, but I uh, we find out that uh, Watson's manager died, uh, and he's going to dedicate the fight to him. And then Dredrick Tatum, who he's fighting, uh huh, also wants to dedicate the fight to his manager. And he's like, you can't. That and they start fighting, and it's hilarious. I love it. They fought at the weigh in. <laughs> so, Dredrick Tatum is obviously a reference to Mike Tyson, which we'll get into more later when we have Dredrick Tatum's criminal career and things like that. <laughs> yes, that'll be brought up in a few. But did Mike Tyson ever get into a fight at a weigh in? Do you know? Oh, I, I mean, he had done some pretty edgy things, you know, here and there, but I, not that, that I know of, not off the top of my head. I uh, I don't believe so, uh, but that's just me going off like vague memory and vague info I have on Tyson. Uh, so Mo shows up. Homer has to hide all the mugs. Uh, his boss shows up and they have to hide all the stuff that he borrowed. And Bart's like borrowed. And he's like, all right, I stole from work. And, Homer and Bart's like, oh, OK. And they go hide pens and like tape holders and stuff, which all have the Springfield power plant logo. on. Them. Yes, I. Uh, Meanwhile, Lisa's just staring at Homer, and Homer's like, oh, go outside, and, you know, boots her out. Uh, Homer gets to the door, and Burns uh, gives him a bag of Cheetos. An individual tiny bag of Cheetos. Such a good offhanded Burns joke. Just so pathetic. Eddie and Lou come by, the police officers, and Homer freaks out, blames it on Marge, and basically they're like, whoa, 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 big guy, like, settle down. We just want to see if we can watch the game. And Homer's like, oh, yeah, yeah, come on in. Yeah, they just want to watch the fight. That's all they want to do. Homer tried to throw Marge under the bus. What a jerk. Although Homer probably has more of a criminal record than Marge does, so maybe well, that's why. We, we later learned that Marge spent more time in jail than Homer. Or she's been arrested more times than Homer. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I. So they're outside drinking lemonade. Please. Thank you. Uh, which is a little on the orange side 
I don't know, maybe it's like orangeade or something. I I, and Lisa and Marge and Maggie are outside and Lisa's like, I don't know if I'm having an effect. And Marge says to have faith that your loved one will do the right thing. I, the room is filled up. They're watching the fight and they're all, everyone's really excited. I Tatum grew up, uh, Dredrick Tatum grew up in Capital City and learned how to fight in Springfield Prison, uh, which, you know, everyone in the, the room is pretty excited about. And this is obviously a reference to Mike Tyson, uh, because not only with Dredrick Tatum's voice having kind of that high-pitched kind of lisp, you know, to it, uh, Mike Tyson had a troubled youth, and he learned how to box when he was in a juvenile, uh, a juvenile detention center when he was younger. And... Uh, uh, Tyson was picked on a lot when he was younger uh, for his voice. Uh, he kept like pigeons and stuff. And he remembers the first fight he ever had was with an older boy who like killed one of his pigeons, you know, when he was growing up in, I think, like New York City, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, because he lived in New York. God, that is dark. Killing some kid's pigeon. Right? That is super dark. Yeah, uh, Tyson grew up very, very troubled. He, he, you know, was, you know, did a bunch of, like, crimes when he was younger, got thrown in this, like, juvenile detention center, and we'll eventually find in The Simpsons, which we'll talk about later, uh, you know, Tyson eventually goes back to jail. But at this time, we don't know a lot about that. This is, he's not had uh, major jail time since being a boxer so far. I, uh, but I... Yeah, uh, Homer uh, is watching that, and he starts, like, imagining about how he's, like, stolen cable and he can go to jail for it. And, you know, like, listening to Dredrick Tatum uh, talk about how, you know, he spent time in jail, it gets Homer really, really uh, nervous. And he decides that he's going to cut the cable line in a uh, kind of a, a, a weird moment where he throws his hands up to the window and yells for, like, Marge and Lisa and stuff, and it's barred. You know, sort of showing that, like, kind of, like, you know, parallel between, you know, that and jail. So, at least Homer's decent enough to wait till after the fight to cut the cable. That's true. You know, he wants his friends to, to watch the game and have fun. He, he, you know, they don't know that he's stealing cable. He just, quote unquote, has cable. So, uh, he, uh, uh, like, sits down, he takes Bart outside, and he's like, all right, I'll be cutting the cable after the end of this fight, yada, yada. Hope you're happy. I also want you to know that I don't like uh, any of you very much. And Bart's like, all right, well, back to the fight. And Homer grabs him by the neck, sits him down, he's like, sit down, boy. I. Uh, meanwhile, I... Uh, oh, and Lisa says that uh, Homer may have, uh, you know, saved his soul. I. Uh, but, uh, meanwhile, inside the, uh, the house... Uh, Dredrick, Dredrick Tatum is reeling from a haymaker, the announcer says, which is funny because Tatum wins and usually a haymaker is like a knockout punch. Uh, but apparently Tatum won with a bolo punch. Are you familiar with a bolo punch, Sean? I am not actually. It is very rare in boxing. It's similar to an uppercut, uh, combined with like a hook towards the body. Uh, in a lot of things I've seen, it kind of sets you up for a counterattack pretty easy. So it's pretty rare. Uh, you know, without proper guard, you know, you're, you know, you're going to get hit with a counter. Uh, but Dredrick Tatum wins. Uh, he's, you know, everyone's super excited. And Apu uh, tells everyone that they should go to the Quickie Mart for blueberry squishies and microwave burritos to celebrate. And Lisa's very proud of Homer. 
So Burns makes one of his Burns comments as he's leaving. Yeah, so Apu, I think, tells him, uh, what a Donnybrook, eh, Mr. Burns? Which is an old-timey phrase for a fight. Uh, so, Sean, you looked into uh, uh, Jim Cor- uh, Corbett, right? Yes, uh, so Burns mentions he hasn't seen a fight like that since he saw Gentleman Jim Corbett fight for uh, 50 rounds. With a Eskimo, bare-knuckled. Bare-knuckled with an Eskimo. Which... Eskimo is a pretty outdated term, and it's Inuit now, uh, so that's a little on the uh, crummy side from back then, but, well, whatever. Gentleman Jim Corbett was a boxer between 1891 and 1903. <laughs> yup. He actually didn't have that many fights, I found. No, he only had about 25 fights in his entire career. Uh, I found, uh, uh, from my research, he, he's kind of hailed as, like, the father of modern boxing because he had a little bit more of a scientific approach to, like, uh, fighting. Like, he uh, you, he fought, like, you know, he weakened foes with jabs and then you knocked him out instead of just, like, going for a knockout with, like, each and every punch. But he did go on to manage boxing after his career. Really? Yes. Oh. Where he passed on his skills to the younger generation. Interesting. Very interesting. It's funny, of course, that Burns is so familiar with him when, I mean, like, how old is Burns? He's like 120 years old. Well, actually, at this time, it would not be nearly that old. Uh, But the game ends, and Homer asks for the Clippers. Uh, Bart begs him, though, and tells him, you know, what about tractor poles, the Atlanta Braves baseball, and Joe Franklin? Uh, Now, tractor pulling is a motorsport where a tractor pulls a heavy sled along a track. The Atlanta Braves in 1990 were in last place, and in 1991, they went to the first in their division, a feat which had not been seen since the 1890 Louisville Colonels, which everyone from this show will know we've mentioned before, having another record where they were the worst team in the league, and uh, it was the Louisville Colonels. Uh, oh, and uh, Joe Franklin was apparently a radio and TV personality who started his show in 51 and it ended up going to like 1993. And he had a fondness for old timey programming. Um, I had never heard of him before this. Did you? No, I have not. Yeah, I had no clue who he was. But uh, Homer cuts a wire. Power goes off in one side of the neighborhood. Cuts another wire. Power goes off in another side of the neighborhood. He says third time's a charm. Clips it. We see static and the episode ends. Sean, what would you say is the lasting impact of this episode? This is one of those good episodes that teaches a lot of morals. And for me, it's a personal lasting impact that I was afraid I was going to go to hell. That is hilarious. I, and, you know, it's funny because, like, I, we had never stole cable when I was younger, you know. It, I, I don't remember if we did or not. I, I'll, I, I guess I could ask my mom and double check, but I don't think we did. We didn't really have many connections like that, you know. I. So, yeah, it's, it's you know, kind of interesting that, like, I mean, we found that one of the hosts had that as a kid, you know, is par- apparently pretty common. So, you know, and, and I agree. I think this is a very strong morality episode. And we'll see this throughout The Simpsons quite a few times where, you know, the someone in the family, typically Lisa, sometimes Marge, is very nervous that, you know, Homer might go to hell. You know, like re- the religious morality be, uh, becomes a pretty big deal throughout some episodes later throughout the series. Uh, so, you know, this is sort of the first of that, right? I mean, I don't think there was another episode previous to this that was, like, involved the morals of, like, their religion. You know, I mean, sure, the morals come up here and there, you know, stealing statue heads and stuff like that. But I, like, I mean, adultery is kind of referenced in the beginning of this episode, and we almost had it with Jacques, so. 
Well, that's kind true. Of, but they don't mention it on a religious level. That is very true. It is certainly not a religious thing uh, uh, for them in that episode. So uh, as far as that goes, though, uh, I did want to uh, real quick uh, touch on uh, just a few things before we wrap up here, Sean. Uh, for our listeners who are loving Noiseland Arcade, want more, uh, if you do, if you support us on Patreon, you go to patreon.com slash gamezilla media you're going to find our patreon page and uh twice per month sean and i upload uh smart line uh bonus episodes that are around a half hour uh, where we delve into character uh you know kind of uh, character descriptions uh go more in depth on the characters and also uh, just sort of a random range of topics uh so if you'd like to support noiseland arcade and by extension the gamezilla media team uh, i mean we have a whole bunch of different podcasts on the network make sure to uh do that so, any lasting words you want to say about this episode? Uh, you know, I uh, uh, honestly, uh, uh, Sean, I, I think I really want to dedicate uh, uh, this episode uh, to uh, our buddy running uh, uh, Gamezilla uh, Grimlock, uh, who got you know got me here today, uh, and is just you know not been uh, feeling so well lately. I would also like to dedicate this episode to Grimlock. Wait, you can't. You can't do that. You can't. You you dedicate it to your own guy who brought you onto the podcast.